Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome into Players Only with Chiefs Radio Network color analyst Danon Hughes. Nice slant route. This is a business decision. You know you're going to take a lump. And former linebacker Sean Barber. There's a thing called street justice. You take care of yours. Yeah. You take care of your family, take care of your chicken, take care of your money. <laughs> On your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. Welcome back, Chiefs Kingdom. We are back for the final show, capping off this 2021 season, 2022 playoff run. Players only back in the building. We got a longtime linebacker. Bum, bum, bum. My man Josie Mays is Sean Barber, a.k.a. Barbershop, coming at you. That's Sean Barber, a.k.a. Barbershop, and I am Danon Hughes. And we are back for one last show, one epic show that... If you've listened to us throughout this season, throughout these multiple seasons, we go by quarters on this show. In this first quarter, we will recap the devastating loss from last week. But after that, the entire rest of the show, it will be all about you, the fans. Time's yours. The time will be yours. Throughout the rest of this show, we got the Jay Southland Tow Service text line open, 913-576-7610. Call us. Text us. Be, if you have to vent, vent. If you're not over that loss, give us your, your take. If you got some thoughts, we got conspiracy theories. One of my favorite segments of this week was listening to Carrington's show. I believe it was two days ago when they had the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the conspiracy theories. They had cartels and, mm. and other theories that just had me crying in my car. But we are... Here, the phone lines are open. The text line is open, just like we are every each and every week. Our friends at U.S. Bank, whatever your passion, U.S. Bank can help turn it into your next pursuit. We want to keep those lines open. We want to hear from you. Got a lot going on. Just to kind of give you an overview of how this show is going to roll today. And I don't think I've ever done it like this, but we're going to do it because it's the last one. We're going to talk about this Chiefs-Bengals matchup, what went wrong, our perspective as you, if you've listened to our show, if you, if you've heard me talk uh, about football ever, whether it's on the broadcast or on players only, we don't listen or or watch the game better than anybody. We just see it differently. So we have a different perspective, and I'm I'm very very uh, amped up to give you that perspective on this past game and even some insight. I know Barbershop put together. Uh, a dissertation he's got written down <laughs> on free agency and 
where we need to grow and get better and all that good stuff. I'm looking forward to hearing him go through that with some numbers, some money, what he would pay people, what he wouldn't pay people. I mean, he put some, he put some work into it. So we're going to give him that platform and then look to hear from everybody out there. But we appreciate all of you tuning in for our show. We appreciate all the text messages that have come in. Uh, just as I sat down from the 816, players only, let's go. We love the energy that comes with this show from the callers as well as the text line. Uh, and we are disappointed as well. Uh, Barbershop, I'm interested to hear your take on the devastating loss from this past weekend. Uh, what comes to your mind about how things unfolded and uh, the ending for the Chiefs? First of all, I'm going to apologize to my uh, lack of energy and emotion and excitement during the drive. My last hour with CDOT, you know, that first 30 minutes of it, I was just a little bit humdrum, a little bit, you know, he wanted to talk about Cincinnati and I was kind of like, kind of not, not really into it. Just zaps your energy, doesn't it? I mean, just, it, it's over with. So, uh, you know, I reflect upon it when I have to. Um, obviously, uh, you know, what I told him is I, I was more disappointed in the effort and attitude on certain plays. Mm-hmm. You, if there's one, if there's one moment in your lifetime that you think you should never have to worry about effort or breaking down the film and having to see anybody not giving their all every opportunity they have on the field, you would think in the playoffs, because you gotta, you gotta earn your next game. It's ne- there's no more schedule. There's nothing else on the schedule, nothing else to prepare for. You got to live today in order to create tomorrow. And there was times after that, uh, after we had twenty-one to three, um, especially that screenplay. That just that screenplay is going to haunt me for um, the next few weeks. It's going to probably take about six weeks for me to get over that screenplay to P Ryan. Yeah, um, it's just because I, I just saw such lack of intensity. I saw some bad technique. I saw people not taking half a man going right down the middle of a guy trying to get off a block, not trying to get off a block. Um, and none of that stuff is done on purpose. It's just in the moment you think it's 21-3. What is this one play? You know, somebody else going to make the play, and then it's not made. Now it's 21-10. Now they got the momentum. Then we don't score on our drive to go in before half, and now it seems like, oh, crap, well, now we're in the ball game. And it's, it's that one play. And it came, it, you know, the amazing thing, Dana, it came after a tackle for loss. Yeah. It was a screenplay they tried to run. We blow it up. It sets them up to be way behind the chains. And defensively, you always know screen draw. Yeah. Screen every every negative extra play long. Yeah. Is always screen draw. It's a safe play, and that one breaks for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I mean, I felt in the moment I felt so frustrated, um, like almost like you could have pre-called it, right? Yeah. You could have pre-called that play before it was run, and, and you just know it's so so many veterans on that field. Um, just in the moment, it's not really rising to the occasion when you know they have so much unfinished business. So, Yeah, yeah I, I would say that um, this was one of the rare games where I was just disappointed. Like, I, I felt disappointed at the end of the game. Like, it didn't r- rise to the level of heartbreak like the AFC championship we lost to Tom Brady. It didn't necessarily get to the level of um, just – discouragement in the Super Bowl loss to the Tampa Bay Bucks last year. I think in each of those scenarios, there was something tangible that you brought away like, darn, if we could have just got the ball in overtime, if we could have guarded Gronk a little bit better Mm -hmm. uh, in the AFC Championship, darn, if we 
could have had a healthy offensive line last year in the Super Bowl, what would that have looked like? Um, and if we didn't, you know, get caught up in complaining to the refs and talking trash to Tom Brady, what would that have looked like? This game, I didn't feel any of those kind of thoughts. I know there's the question in regards to halftime, going into halftime, going for the touchdown. I have my own perspective on that. I don't, I don't disagree with the decision. I do, to some extent, disagree with the play call or the execution thereof, but I don't think that it was wrong with five seconds, and we can get into that as well. I was just disappointed, and it kind of goes along with what you said. Some of the effort, the energy, the body language in the second half. Uh, I saw guys moping around, and like you said, like this is the opportunity for you to get back to the promised land where you were embarrassed last year, and everything to me has to be about you leaving everything on the field. Like, there should be IVs ready in the locker room hanging up in front of your locker if you needed that after that game because mm-hmm. I absolutely had to leave everything on the field that I have nothing left. Like, my friends or family are going to have to help me to the car and get me home after that game because that's how important that game is. And I didn't see that from everybody. And it's unfortunate because I played – in a time in my rookie year where we made the AFC championship and you thought at that time, like, wow, we're going to get back. And we never got back. And then I have, it's years and decades after that, where you wonder, man, could I have done something different in that game? Knowing what I know now, knowing what I knew at the end of my career that I would never even sniff that opportunity again. And I feel like the players are going to have that, reflection at some point and there's nothing they can do about it um uh, as i said the text line the phone line is open 913-576-7610 i want to let's let's tackle the halftime like we open up the game three straight drives offensively three touchdowns uh right before halftime here's my perspective on it i'm interested to hear yours nine seconds left we run the, if everybody remembers me breaking down the play, if you listen to the broadcast, the play that we basically won the uh, divisional game last year against the Cleveland Browns was sprint right option. Chad Henney rolls out right, hits Tyreek Hill, short gain, he stays in bounds, runs the clock out, game over. Sprint right option, one of the greatest plays in, in NFL history was Joe Montana to Dwight Clark. That is sprint right option. That's a West Coast fixture of an offensive play. Uh, They opted to run because where the ball was spotted on the field, they ran with nine seconds left, sprint left option. The Cincinnati Bengals covered it extremely well. Sprint left option, Patrick Mahomes made a good decision, threw it into the dirt. That entire play with him rolling to his left took four seconds. So you would like to think if he rolls to his right, it would take less than four seconds or no more than four seconds if you run the exact play. So hindsight being 2020, I would have just what we used to call Riverside, do the same play to the opposite side of the field. Sprint right option, give him a run pass option, give him the same kind of instructions, spike it, throw it out of bounds, um, and live for a field goal with two seconds left or one second left if you use the same amount of time as you did when you just ran that play. 
the fact that they ran an RPO when everybody in the stadium, including the Bengals, knows that you're not going to run the ball there. So there was like if you if you noticed, if they did run the ball, Jarek McKinnon would have jumped in the end zone scot free because everybody on the defense was not looking for a run play up the middle. So the fact that you actually run play action in the backfield doesn't do anything to the defense because they're not going to respect the run there because they don't feel like you're going to run the ball with five seconds left. So I, f- I felt like there could have been a better play selected for that situation, but I wasn't against them going for the touchdown and the dagger at that time. Just the execution and the selection was what I had a problem with. Now, Barbershop, you know as well as I do, we go in, you go in the locker room at halftime. You got 13 minutes approximately to hydrate, stretch, maybe get a ice, uh, I mean, a, um, a heat pad to put on something, your legs, um, loosen up, talk to your other teammates, and then get some coaching from your coaches. You can spend the entire halftime reflecting on what you did wrong in the first half or game planning to what you're going to do in the second half. And I feel like without being in that locker room, based on their body language going in and the body language and the ineffectiveness coming out, I felt like Patrick Mahomes and most of this team were feeling sorry for themselves in, during halftime and, re, and reflecting in a negative way to what they missed out on as opposed to shaking it off and getting themselves amped up and back alive for what's to come in the second half. And they spent, like to me, they spent emotionally and mentally too much feeling bad about what they didn't accomplish on that last play. And it carried over into the game. And before they realized it, they couldn't shake it off. Their body language was down. There wasn't as much excitement in the second half as there was in the first half, even amidst them still winning for a large part part of that time. And ultimately, you get the ball first and five, first and goal on the five-yard line with the clock in your favor, your timeouts are in your favor, and you wind up with a 42-yard field goal from that tells me that the, the, the focus and the intent wasn't there to the extent of not even near what we saw last week against the Bills and not where it needed to be to snatch the win on your home field and, and get to the promised land in the Super Bowl. Um, that's unfortunate because that's something that they're going to have to live with for the rest of their life. Barbershop, you know I've given you crap about – you being on the 2003 team, the no-punt game. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's stuff that still sticks in your craw about that game specifically. I was on the 95 13-3 team where Lynn Elliott missed uh, field goals and extra points. I was on the 97 team where we lost to the Broncos after we beat them during the regular season. No Top seed, home field advantage, all of that stuff. Those games, even 20-plus years later, still – affect us we still think about those times and I, I feel bad because these players are going to have to digest this for a long period of time you got a list of people who are free agents and a list of op- options that could come in there's going to be guys that this might be their last opportunity to be a part of greatness 
the way that they were about for the, for these last two years. That's unfortunate for them because they may not be thinking about it now, but they will be thinking about it throughout the rest of their life. And what we got to realize, obviously, and if you heard any of the cuts during the week, you heard a very emotional Tyron Matthews speak about um, the finish of the season, the finality, feeling of, uh, you know, he hopes to be back next year, but there's no guarantee being that, you know, you look at his contract situation and now he's a free agent. Um, he's definitely uh, one of the top five to ten uh, safeties in his league, so he's going to demand um, a pretty hefty bounty as far as contracts. And we just don't know, you know, as an organization, if we have that type of cap room to spend in that room. When you talk about everybody else they got to take care of, all the other positions they got to fulfill, um, you just might not be able to pay your safety top dollar. So he's going to have to make a decision whether it's, you know, important for him to be here in Kansas City and maybe um, have a hometown discount or to get financially rewarded for his career of, of, of making plays and everything he's done. Because um, there's going to be teams that are willing to give him, you know, 15, 16 million a year, and that's probably a price tag we can't afford. Mm-hmm. Um, and so understanding that and being a veteran, you understand every locker room every year when you go to that week one game and look around your locker room, it looks completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's 10, 15 guys that look the same, but all the young guys, all the backups, all the, and then the schedule, who you play, where you're away, you know, game in Germany now, game in London, game in, all, you know, all these different experiences. Um, and then where the Super Bowl is being, where, where the final game, where the, you know, you talk about the main thing is the main thing. That location changes every year. So the opportunity of having a Super Bowl in L.A. in the SoFi Stadium, this was the year to capture it. And you don't, you don't know in your career when you're going to have the opportunity to go back to have that opportunity in that stadium to win a world champion. And knowing how close you were when the number one scene got knocked out and you was able to get the AFC uh, game here at Arrowhead Stadium for a fourth year, History was made, knowing that the sea of red was in full effect. Uh, you know, I asked all week long for the Chiefs fans not to sell their tickets, not to let that that orange creep into that lower level. And I'm telling you, from the field level, it, the sea of red was loud and mm-hmm. proud. Yep. They were giving Joe Breezy all he wanted. He said he he ain't heard what 142 decibels sound like. Well, he heard it um, on, on Sunday, and I think in the first half it started to get to him. And I think our players fed off that energy. Um, but like like Dana said, somewhere in that locker room during halftime, um, a few guys will, will lost their focus, maybe too worried about that last drive and not worrying about the second half. And then that became more contagious. And then the other team started making plays, feeding off the fact that, hey, we just scored on a you know one play. It only takes one play to make a play. Um, and then let's get after this quarterback a little bit. In the second half, they kind of got after um, with a three-man rush um, and, and really kind of sped up um, Pat Mahomes' I made him feel pressure when pressure wasn't even there, um, and then and, and, and him making some unfortunate bad decisions with the ball uh, with those two turnovers. So um, they did what they needed to do to move on and to make plays. Uh, they hid their weaknesses very well, um, and they fed into their strengths in the second half. And at the end of the day, we know it. In the NFL, the second half, that's the plays that matter. Whoever's making those big plays in the second half of the ball game is usually going to put themselves in position to win the ball game, and they made the two or three plays necessary in the second half and overtime to um, put themselves in a position to be playing at SoFi um, next Saturday, next Sunday. All right, we got a lot more to talk about. Maybe we'll put a a wrap on that last game unless the text line or the phone line wants to talk about it. We got 
a lot of decisions to be talked about in regards to where this team is going to go to in the future, what players will be a part of these new locker rooms, and the reflection from this past game and how it can affect these guys' careers. We're going to get back to that in the second quarter of the show after we come from the break. This is Players Only with Damon Hughes and Sean Barber. Thursday nights at 6 on your official broadcast partner at the Kansas City Chiefs 610 Sports Radio. And we're back. Players only. Sean Barber, a.k.a. Barbershop, and I'm Danon Hughes. We're in the second quarter of the show. And as I mentioned, each and every week we're brought to you by U.S. Bank. Whatever your passion, U.S. Bank can help turn it into your next pursuit. We got the phone lines as well as the text line is open. 913-576-7610. Give us a call. Vent. Give us your suggestions. You can hold out on all that conspiracy theory stuff. Yeah, we ain't, we ain't trying to hear none of that. We don't want to so hear all know. that. But the time. <clears throat> time, George. Time will be yours. We got the text line open. Uh, got some good ones that came in. Uh, from 913, RPO plays need to sleep with the Missouri River fishes. Get rid of them. Uh, to a certain extent, I, I agree. If you're not committed to the run, or you don't like the Bills have a quarterback that will run off of that RPO. Uh, I don't know how effective it really is. Um, sometimes as an offensive lineman, uh, I, I've heard Tim Grunhard talk about it. I, we had Will Shields on, um, and it's difficult for an offensive lineman to block because they can't drive block down the field because you might throw the ball, and they can't. They don't necessarily want to be catch blocking. Or, or, or pass blocking if there's a possibility to run the ball. So to a certain extent, it, it can work well for you, but if, to a certain extent, it can be a, a little negative in regards to how aggressive you are in your blocking. I think the RPO, especially against what the Bengals were doing, was like a double negative because if you think about what they were doing as far as trying to get the pat, it was more of a just stay in front of them. Nobody, yeah. Only one person, 91, Trey Henderson, was coming off the ball. Everybody else was kind of in a catch, yeah. read, read, stay in front of them. And then they was having, having a guy drop into a short hole and then become a fourth rusher as Pat um, decided where he was going to go. Oh, yeah. So if you think about an RPO, you're, you're catching on the O-line. They're not really coming off. So you're actually becoming part of the whole picket fence in front yeah, of Pat anyway. It's all getting clogged up. Yes. So since they're not coming off the ball with no no energy and no 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 pressure, it, it was probably just a man, it was just a messed up concept, especially in that second half. Yeah. I think, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty and, you know, like I said, I think if you have a run pass option, you have you have three options. You have the running back getting the ball, you have the quarterback keeping the ball, and you have the pass option. Uh, if you don't have a quarterback that's going to run the ball, then you negate uh, a part of that. If you have an offensive line or a defensive line, like Barbershop just said, that their game plan is to kind of just stand at the line of scrimmage with eight people dropping or seven people dropping, closing all the windows, playing man on one side, zone on another, uh, combination things to maybe force you to hold on to the ball just a little bit longer. Um, to me, those are situations that aren't necessarily the best uh, for production-wise on offense. So, uh, yeah, I think to some extent I can agree with the the, the text line, sleep with the fishes, get it? Uh, from the 970, I hope Barbershop don't come on here and start spitting that rubbish like he did on the drive. Yes, he is going to spit. 
some of that same rubbish, and we're going to get to that in the second half of this show. Give Barbershop his platform. He put together some very detailed notes about free agency and and salary caps and even to the extent of what he would offer. So he is uh, Jerry Maguire up here. <laughs> <laughs> putting yeah, together Jerry, numbers on show me the money. Jerry Maguire's an agent, man. I'm Ozzy Newsom, bro. Oh, you're Ozzy Newsom, yeah, my I'm bad. young Ozzy, bro. All right. <laughs> Whichever one you want to be. <laughs> I'm a young Ozzy. Uh, from the 816, I've looked forward to your show every week as a female Chiefs fan. You guys do an excellent job of keeping things on a level that we can all understand. I don't like – I don't have to like the loss. However – I can keep in perspective that it's only a game. Pam. Thank you, Pam. We appreciate all listeners. We appreciate the, appreciate the ladies uh, listening in. I uh, love that perspective as well, at least being open to other perspectives. Um, from the 816, I totally agree. Patrick Mahomes seemed like he was not aware of the time. An extra timeout would have helped. Eh, you know, yeah, I guess an extra timeout would have helped, but it didn't. Uh, what are you players from the 303? That's I think that's, what is that, Denver? What players do you think didn't give their all? They want us to start naming names. They want us to throw bodies out no there. No rats. Rats get bats. <laughs> Snitches get stitches. Snitches get stitches. We know about street justice. If you All you got to do is listen to the tag that in, int, introduces the show. I tell you all the time, street justice. Street justice. You got to worry about your chicken. Yep. At and the watch the, the film. Day. Film don't lie. Yeah, you, you you can tell what 100% is, and you can tell what it isn't. If like, the play ain't over and you stop running, that's as clear as day. Like, yeah. it ain't – yeah, you keep – you run – you run – pursue the ball through the echo of the whistle. It's not to the tackle. I don't pursue you until you start to get tackled by somebody else. I pursue you trying to get in on that tackle, and the only thing that stops me, I begin to stop as you blow the whistle. And then I still, like, got two steps. Yeah. And I can because I got body control. I can go from launching to maybe pushing, yeah, or extending my hands out instead of going for a clean, trying to clean, take your head off. I can go to a point where I'm just going to grab you or hold you. Uh, body control and athleticism—that's what it is. So I agree. I, that's how I was always coached. Play to the echo of the whistle, and um, you know the film don't lie. The eye in the sky does not lie. Uh, from the three one six. Just tuned in, man. Us. This is the last players only show till next season. Love the show. Be safe. We appreciate you. Definitely appreciate you. Yo, Dana and Shop from the 858. As former players, do you see something wrong with Chris Jones' tackling technique with the several uh, <laughs> missed, ta- missed sacks, whiffs on Sunday and all? Man, I don't come to your job telling you about your technique. <laughs> So I ain't going. To- <laughs> we, ain't, we ain't on here to do that. And, and, and people are saying, listen, I know like it might be some sad times thinking this is the last players only, but you never know in the offseason, man, me and Dana might get together and do like, a, hey, we might do a pop up show where the players only come on, do some draft coverage, do some, um, um, you know, you see- can't get rid of us. That's yeah, what you're you, saying. You, you never know where we'll bring our insight to whatever's going on with the NFL schedule, obviously in the preseason. Um, when, when when transactions are made, free agencies are brought in, different moves are being made, you'll get, you'll get feedback from us somehow, somewhere through the Odyssey um, network. So you just got to be listening. Obviously, um, sometimes I'm on the drive. Some, I know Dana, he's, he got a weekly gig where he comes on in the morning and talk with Bob Fesco and those guys to uh, recap different things and stuff like that. So 
hey, just be aware. You hear you hear Dana Hughes' name. You hear Barbershop coming on. Write it down. Get, a, get Make sure you, you tune in. Yep. They ain't gonna silence us. That's basically what he's saying. We're not. We are not to be silenced. Yeah, we ain't going nowhere. Yeah, we'll be around. Uh, I see from the. Oh gosh, we got a bunch of tech. We got. I like this. I like this activity here, guys. Um, from the eight one six, would you never consider during a field goal to win the game, putting Hill on the edge and use his speed to possibly block the kick? Um. Hmm. I don't I mean it depends. I mean his speed off the line of scrimmage would definitely be quick, but he's only 5 foot 9, so having the extension of getting to the kick might be different, but I mean I've seen I played with Neil Smith. Neil Smith played at the defensive end position, but when we had field goal block unit, he went into the middle because he had a 7 foot arm span. So he got blocked, he got kicks blocked during his career because of that arm span. Uh, with the rules different on running over centers and, and all that back then. So I wouldn't be opposed to it. Uh, I know we use wide receivers. I think Marcus Kemp has been out there. Uh, McCall Hardman has been on the edge to try to block kicks in the past. So I wouldn't be opposed to try to use utilizing that quickness on the edge. We got a lot more text messages. Phone line is open, 913-576-7610, and the time will continue to be yours through this time, George. Through this third segment. But when we come back, uh, we got to talk about the Brian Flores, uh, the racism that's uh, the uh, you know accusations and the things that are going on in the NFL because they are pertinent. It is real, and we do have a perspective. We're going to tackle that next. This is Players Only with Damon Hughes and Sean Barber. Thursday nights at 6 on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. And we're back. Players Only halftime is over. And we are back in the building, Sean Barber. And I am Danon Hughes. And we still got the phone lines, text lines open, 913-576-7610. Brought to you each and every week by our friends at U.S. Bank. Whatever your passion, U.S. Bank can help turn it into your next pursuit. Uh, got a lot of great text messages. We got a few guys coming online. But as I talked about before the break, uh, we gotta we gotta talk about this Brian Flores, Hugh Jackson, uh, the accusations to the NFL. Uh, Barbershop, you and I were talking off air during the commercial, and I'll just say my piece, and you can chime in. Let's not be naive. Uh, let's not be closed-minded. Let's not be the crowd that says. I tune in or I watch for sports. Let's not talk about race. And as soon as the word race comes up, they want to close their minds, close their eyes, close their ears. It's prevalent in our society. It's prevalent in the NFL to think anything different uh, would make you ignorant. Now, if you don't want to learn or have, or hear a different perspective, then don't tune in. That's on TV. That's on here or whatever else. But if you are a person that just seems to be open-minded and whether it changes your heart, changes your mind, or does anything else, um, and you just want to hear a different perspective that maybe you haven't heard before, you have not heard Dana Hughes talk about it. You have not heard Sean Barber talk about it. You have not heard from our perspective in our lives uh, uh, and our experiences. Uh, and it could be enlightening. Some people might say it could be entertaining. Um, but... So be it. If, you, if this is something that automatically turns you off, sorry to hear that. Uh, to me, 
Um, if there is a situation, I was on a radio show earlier today and I talked about how, you know, if a if I was amidst a bunch of women and they were talking about sexual harassment, uh, workplace environment, some of the negatives that they've had, uh, maybe even some uh, physical uh, confrontations or anything like that, what I would do as a man in that arena is I would shut up and listen because there's a perspective that I will never, ever have as a man that a woman could shine a light on in regards to those topics. When it comes to uh, black and white and racial issues, I find it always interesting that there are more people that don't look like me that have so much to say and to enlighten me about that refuse to just listen uh, in the same way they would with a woman. So maybe that... Maybe that parallel doesn't ring true for you, uh, but there are perspectives that are different. And Brian Flores, just like I was talking with Barbershop, Deflate Gate, Bounty Gate, uh, the fit, what was the the other gate on the sideline where they were? Uh, I don't know if it was Tape Gate, <laughs> whatever. Filming the plays before the game. Yeah, right? filming teams on the sideline and their sign signs and all that. Uh, you know the. The Patriots were caught, but they weren't the only ones to ever do it. Barbershop and I were part of teams that when you walked out of the tunnel, you heard somebody in an amped-up mindset. I got 500 for the first knockout. I got, I got 1,000 for the first strip sack. I got this for the first pick. Um, very rarely, if ever, did I ever see, hear about those being paid out. But in the heat of the moment, those are the things that happened. So when there was a, a bounty gate, we knew as players that's something that happened all the time. Deflategate, there were quarterbacks all around the league that talked about putting more air in the ball or less air out of the ball because of their comfort. They're just the ones that got caught. So when we see this situation come up with Brian Flores and Hugh Jackson talking about owners and, and uh, you know, incentives to, to lose and uh, putting guys in position possibly based on their race to be judged by their losses but at the same time be compensated for them, uh, it's not brand new. Uh, if you are a fan of the NFL, fortunately or unfortunately, this is a part of what is going on behind the scenes. And we should just be able to listen to the perspective and see how things unfold. It's unfortunate that in 2022 we're still dealing with some of this stuff. It's unfortunate that with the Rooney Rule, I believe the stat was since the Rooney Rule's inception, there was 129 job openings as head coaches and only 15 have been hired as black men since 2003. I believe that's the stat. To me, that's alarming if it's supposed to be a rule that was supposed to encourage that. The fact that we only have one black head coach in this league and very few that has ever gotten a second opportunity to coach if the first one wasn't optimum, there's a problem with that. And to want to close your ears and eyes and just say, I just want to hear about football, I just tune in because I want to I want to tune out the world and just be just be uh, mesmerized by actual sports. To me, it's close minded. That's my perspective in it. It's unfortunate. And we'll see how much more un unfolds with coaches like Brian Flores and Hugh Jackson and others that become more transparent. I'm waiting for white coaches to come up and say, hey, I was told by an NFL NFL owner to lose games, too. Until that happens. You have to wonder, well, why are the black coaches the only ones that are being asked to do these things outside the box? Um, that's where we stand now. 
I'm I'm a fan of the entire football, the entire professional football league, the NFL, all the good, bad, and ugly, and I'm interested in it all. Yeah, I mean, you know, I go back and forth with this a little bit. Um, and at the end of the day, I just think that life is life. You know, you're looking for fair. Um, you got to look, you know, in a carnival, look for a pig with a bow on it. That's the only <laughs> place you're going to find a fair. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, man, life is life. You got, you know, it's tough. It's hard. The game of football is hard. Um, being a minority, um, trying to go against, you know, a lot of the social norms at different positions um, ca- causes its own, you know, issues and obstacles. Now, when you talk about the highest level, the coaches, coordinators, um, that, that you know, at that position, um, it's more than just coaching. It's not just X's and O's. You're a face of a franchise. And there's just a – obviously there's a, 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 a collectiveness between 32 teams where – um, a, a high, high number of those 32 teams likes for the fr- face of their franchise to look similar to them. And that's good, bad, and different. It is what it is. They are more comfortable talking to coaches about their franchise when they feel comfortable with the person they're talking to. They feel more comfortable having um, seats being filled and, 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 and suite holders um, fill up the stadium and buying suites and, and all these um, packages being spent, the dollars being spent, they feel they have a, a better chance of doing it when their franchise is being led by somebody who looks like the person who's, you know, running that, that Fortune 500 company. And so until there's a, a, a big shift in the, the, the ownership group, um, diversity at any level below that is only temporary. Going back to 2003, the Rooney rule, 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 rule was put in. And then up to 2007, there was, I think, a league high of seven or eight jobs where, um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a fourth of the NFL teams having a black coach um, during that 2008 season. And for it to trickle down now to a point where there's just one remaining out of 32 teams where now, you know, some, some two or three coaches, uh, teams haven't hired somebody yet. So of, of 29 teams, only one coach is African-American that's a that's that's a, a lot of steps backwards mm-hmm. um, than, than where we were hoping to go with this. So um, I think at some point you got to look at what's happening and say, all right, it's not working. And if it's not working, why isn't it? And if you I mean, the, 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 the truth of it is you just got to look up to ownership and say, why are y'all not hiring more black African-American or minority coaches? Why, why aren't these hires being happening? Like, Tell them, tell tell the public what what these guys are doing in the interviews that is not uh, fulfilling that requirement. Where, where is that? Where are, where are they lacking? Because if it comes to their qualifications and the, you know, it, it's hard if the two resumes are put beside each other. Um, you can't tell me that somebody can tell me that Coach Eric Bieniemy here in Kansas City is not a, a more qualified coach to lead men than. The OC right now at the Rams, who's 36 years old, who's been an OC for uh, one or two seasons, who's now part of the McVay tree, who came from the Washington football team and now the Washington Commanders. You you can't tell me that he his resume is is if you take the names off of it, that you would select that resume over uh, EBs. And so. Um, Maybe maybe that what it takes is some transparency in, in in just the hiring firing process, um, and maybe that needs to be turned into the league where yeah. when you when you interview a guy you you have him in your your organization for two hours, 
right? Two hours of information going back and forth. Um, the things he doesn't interview well, the things his weaknesses, you know, things he does strong. Maybe that uh, some kind of summary of that needs to be turned into to the NFL, so um, uh, you know the, the, the NFL officials can look over that kind of stuff and make sure that they feel like things are being done in a fair manner. And, and ultimately, also for the people that are out there that says owners of anything should be able to hire who they want. Well, you have a fraternity that has not allowed black ownership. So that's part of the problem as well. Not saying that every black owner who would ever, who billionaire, black owner, Bob Johnson, Robert Smith, whoever else that have come aboard and been pushed away would automatically hire a black coach, but there would be representation in the room. There would be accountability that would become a part of that. It is just like... Uh, I use the example today. What if Mary Kay, the, uh, the cosmetic mecca multi-billion dollar industry, had male CEOs, CFOs, and so on, and most of the people in the room at the powerful level were men? There would be an uproar because women would feel like, hey, we're, we're the ones using, <laughs> we're the ones on the front line using your products, being a part of your sales and all that stuff, and we don't have a seat at the table. Well, that's kind of the same feeling, I think, in the African-American community uh, when you have 70% of the workforce that is not represented at the highest levels. Seven, what'd you say, seven black coaches? 2008. In yeah. 2008. Uh, one of the big things that before we go to break, how many of those had second opportunities? That would be a question that we could look up or you can look up if you're interested. Not so much about how many got jobs or how many got second jobs because the first one didn't work versus the counterparts that don't look like them. When we come back, we got Dan, Jamaican Ken, Batman, Jax. Not sure how many we'll get to you. We appreciate you being on the line. And we got to talk about this free agency, give Barbershop his, his platform for who we would replace, who we would pay and what this 2022 Chiefs team could look like. We'll tackle it next. This is Players Only with Danon Hughes and Sean Barber. Thursday nights at 6 on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Fourth and final quarter of Players Only. Back, Sean Barber. I am Danon Hughes, brought to you each and every week. Adding this last week by U.S. Bank. Whatever your passion, U.S. Bank can help. Turn it into your next pursuit. The text line from the 816, your comparison to male-female is great. You guys discuss the race issue with such great respect, and I highly commend you for that, praying for change. Thank you so much for seeing seeing the big picture in that. Um, let's go to Dan and KC. Dan, you got to be quick, but don't hurry. Okay. Hey, Dan. Hi, Sean. How you doing? Yeah, it looked like when the Chiefs were up 21-3, they were on pace for 50 points. So, but I'd like to tell you, I didn't mind the play call. Judge Mahomes just needs to execute better. And the second half, the Chiefs should have just ran it because uh, McKinnon had seven or eight yards, and uh, Edwards Allaire had six point yards per carry. And I was four years old, Dan, and they shot in 1931 when Gary or ruined my Christmas. Well, not really ruined it, but ruined Ed Podolak, who had 350 yards. And uh, I was like, to tell you something. I think Frank Clark will come back if he bought a house and uh, McKen will, uh, I mean, uh, Matthew will come back. What do you think about, uh, I don't think the Marcus Robinson will come back yet. So, I would like to have your thoughts on that, David. Sean, and they need, and Chiefs need to win a championship for you guys. Make a second championship next year. Take care of yourself, guys. Thanks a lot, Dan. Real quick, we appreciate you, and, you know, we don't know. Barbershop, go ahead and tackle your list. Give me some quick insight. We got about five minutes left. 
to talk about what this Chiefs team. I don't know if we'll get the Jacks, Batman, and Jamaican Ken, but well, I you wanna, got the floor. I want to get to those guys, so I'm going to make it real quick. There's some guys on a certain priority level. So the guys we're going to need to pay or offer to pay over the $10 million threshold, maybe up, up to 15, will be Tyron Matthew um, and C. Ward. Um, after that, you know, obviously um, OBJ Brown Jr. is going to have to get probably franchise tag just because of the nature of the – the salary cap, we don't have enough money to really pay an offensive tackle of his caliber what he's going to demand in the free agent market. Um, as far as running back room, uh, we're going to ask those guys, um, uh, Jared McKinnon, to come back. Um, obviously, at a reduced price, um, there's some free agents. Dante Foreman is going to ask for some money. Um, to Ernest Johnson, a guy from the Browns I really like. And then also um, um, uh, Jeff Wilson from the 49ers. Um, wide receiver group, hey, man, we got about $20 million to spend in the whole group. Unfortunately, we got to get Cheetah sold up. We can't let him hit the free agent market, so he might soak up eighteen million of that twenty-five. So we're gonna have to find three, three or four more guys that are willing to split seven, um, and that might include uh, Pringo and D. Rob coming back. But if not, um, I'm looking at DJ Chark from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, going on the defensive side, man, Melvin Ingram should be a priority. That's my, that's one of my top priorities. Beside Tyron Matthew, if not Tyron Matthew, let's go after. Jordan Whitehead, Justin Reed. Um, as far as uh, cornerbacks, let's look at G- DJ Reed and um, Isaac Yadadam from uh, he's from the Packers, um, young corner. And then on D line, man, this this young man from the Giants, um, um, Lorenzo Carter, is somebody who I would attack in free agency. So that kind of a summary of where we should go and where we need to attack. How are we going to get it done in free agency? I like it. I like that. Uh, to me, the top three things uh, also, if it factors into some of those names specifically without knowing their their height and their size, et cetera, we need to get longer at corner. Uh, I like Charvarius Ward staying with this team. He's one of the taller, more physical guys. But what we recognize with the receiving core, with the Bengals, the receiving core, with the Chargers, the Broncos, teams that we're going to play are bigger Longer guys, so we need to have longer defensive backs, specifically at corner. Five foot eleven, Rashad Fenton. Obviously, it showed that didn't that wasn't really a matchup for a guy like T. Higgins or Taj Boyd, etc. So we need to get longer at the cornerback position. We need to get taller at the wide receiver number two position to have one guy on the opposite side of the field or outside the slot of Tyreek Hill that garners some attention and respect more than. Demarcus Robinson and McCall Hardman should be a top priority. And we need consistent pass rush. Uh, The fact that we just played against a team in the AFC Championship that gave up nine sacks the week before and we got one, uh, our top uh, supposedly playmaker and paid guy on the defensive line had one hurry with no sacks and Frank Clark. Uh, To me, that has to be addressed. And I think even Brett Veach talked about it uh, earlier this week in this press conference about defense being a priority this offseason. We'll see if that's going to be via draft or by free agency. It's probably going to have to be a mix. But one thing we do know and we should have confidence in and be happy about is that last year after the Super Bowl, it was clear as day that the offensive line needed to be dealt with. And what we did was revamp the entire offensive line, all five positions, and got back one step closer or as close to the Super Bowl. So you know that Brett Veach, Andy Reid are always willing to revamp where necessary. Guys, that music means we are down to it. Jamaican Ken, Batman, Jax, sorry we couldn't get to you. We appreciate the support. 
all season long. We'll be back next season uh, for players only. Who knows what we may drop in here or there during the offseason. But stay tuned. We Thanks for the support. Julio, thanks for all you do for us. Barbershop, thanks for your commitment. Man, tell that text line. They can hit us up on Twitter. At yep. SeanBarber59. We'll reply, man. Yep. And DA Hughes guy 83 on Twitter. Hit us there. And we'll respond uh, just like we do on the show. We love y'all. Appreciate y'all. We'll be back next year. Peace. With Danon Hughes and Sean Barber. Thursday nights at 6 on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at 4. Donchich. The step back 3. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.